This is WCM's Park Update, a weekly show covering the outdoor hospitality industry hosted by Ben Quiggle and Mike Gast. During each episode, you'll hear from special guests and campground experts on topics that will help your park flourish. WCM's Park Update is a production of Woodall's Campground Magazine. Hi, welcome to another edition of WCM's Park Update, sponsored by Bush Tech Safari. And I am Ben Quiggle, editor of Woodall's Campground Magazine. And of course, my esteemed colleague, Mike Gast, is here, former vice president of communications for Campgrounds of America and a Nebraska lover. So he loves Nebraska. So. I'm coming around slowly. <laughs> and uh, our guest today is Mark Kep who is probably pretty familiar to a lot of people who watch the show. Uh, he's CEO and founder of Campground Views. Um, he's been in the industry. How long have you been in the industry, Mark? When did you start he's Campground Views? At least 12 years. When I The original idea was 12 years ago. Yeah. So, and of course, um, a lot of RV travelers probably recognize campgroundviews.com, which is a great uh, site for finding information about RV parks, campgrounds, glamping parks, pretty much anything like that. And then you guys also do the virtual tours now too, which is huge. Correct. And you guys just got more funding. So that's great. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> so explain, I guess just to start, explain a little bit about the virtual tours and what you offer on that end, I guess. So I'll start with um, the problem because I, I don't know a lot of folks in the industry may not recognize the problem that their campers have. So if you, if you put yourself in a camper's shoes, there's a reason why our numbers don't really grow that much. Current campers, the folks that are willing to get an RV, hit the road and go travel, they're adventure seekers. They're people that are willing to put it out there and go try things out. That is not all Americans. A lot of folks, they need stuff kind of laid out for them, a little bit better directions, a little bit yeah. better, better information. And so as a result, our industry actually kind of hits this plateau every so often. You know, it, it ekes up a little bit, but we don't draw in a lot of new campers. Uh, obviously, COVID changed that a little bit, but we're kind of seeing the aftermath of that now. And so the problem is, in a nutshell, information. The way that information is shared about campgrounds and RV parks is incredibly difficult. So on one end of the spectrum, there is no information about a campground. Other than a name, there's no information. You don't want you getting into at all. On the other end of the spectrum, there's near perfect information and there was nobody out there providing that. And so that was the whole concept of the campground virtual tours. It's to solve that problem. Let's allow somebody to go in, hit play and drive through a campground. They want to do that anyways. They show up at campgrounds all the time and say, hey, can I drive through it? Let's allow them to do that virtually. They can drive through that campground, see the roads, see the sites, and actually see if it's right for them. And so that was the whole concept behind it. And before we even started providing this to campgrounds, we actually spent our own time and our own money to go test it. We filmed some public parks, put it out there to see what campers thought about it. And their response was unbelievably, overwhelmingly positive. Oh, my God. And usually the response was, I thought of this already. I was going to do this or I'm, I'm glad somebody did it. Right. That's when you know you're on the right track. And so we've yeah. kept going from there. So, yeah, we actually originated the whole idea of campground virtual tours for the industry and then ended up developing this proprietary system to allow parks to have that experience. Yeah. And you guys have you and your wife were full time RVers for a while. So um, I know you guys are based uh, in Wyoming now, but um, how long were you? you know, traveling around visiting campgrounds and RV parks. 
Yeah, it was so 2009, I was running a digital marketing agency and I realized I don't meet with any of my customers in person. It's all virtual. So let's go travel, right? And so before it was cool, we were digital nomads traveling around. So it was back 2009 when we started and we spent 12 years as full-time RVers, visited all the lower 48 states, um, visited over that time period, about 5,000 RV parks and campgrounds and, and actually lived the problem. That's actually the whole concept behind campground views. I was running a I was running a different business, a digital marketing business, um, helping small businesses with Google Maps and such. And Campground Views was just, it was a solution to an annoyance, which was everything was review based. There's all these review sites out there. And so not only were you reading reviews, but you were then reading that person's other reviews to determine if they were full of crap or not. Like, hey, is this a legit yeah. review or is it fake or not? And so I was like, this is a waste of time because then we'd show up at the park and the five-star reviews may have been valid for somebody who was, you know, 30 years older than us, but the park next door was actually better for us. And I kept saying, why can't I just see the park, right? Why can't somebody show me pictures and video of the park? And so the original concept was actually that people with their phones would send us video and we would post it on YouTube. And so if you go to our YouTube channel, there is 3000 YouTube videos on there of campgrounds and RV parks. And some of those are dated as far back as 10 years ago. Um, and they're just shorts. They're not, they're nothing fancy. Like people are always like, they're not fancy, but those videos, even today, this last month were viewed over 120,000 times by people on YouTube. So Mark, and, you take, you take a campground views a lot farther than this. Cause now when you drive through, you've got it integrated with the campgrounds inventory. You can see what sites are available yep. uh, it, and uh, people can actually book via that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, and they're not booking through us. We're linking them directly into whatever the campgrounds reservation system is. And so through that YouTube journey, we started playing with uh, 360 videos on YouTube and we found out that people loved them. They love the, the ability to watch a video. People don't like, I mean, it's like, think about it when, you know, I think we're all old enough on this thing to remember when our grandparents showed us slideshows, you know, little clickers with the slideshow. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Those are boring as hell, right? I'd rather watch a movie. Same thing today. So all of the existing virtual tour softwares are photo based that requires the user to kind of click like they're going to the next slide. We built it to be video based. And then when you click on a site, you can actually book that site. Yeah. Or if it's available. Yeah, we're just kind of scrolling through your YouTube uh, page here. Um, and you have videos uh, learning how to do the virtual tours. And then you have uh, different videos of parks down here. And I mean, you have a huge library here, which you said you've built up over a decade. So, um, yep. yeah, a lot of information on a lot of different parks. Um, yeah, it's all it's all real good stuff. I get, how many people how many parks do you have on the virtual tours right now, I guess? So as of yesterday, we passed the one thousand five hundred barrier. That means we have one thousand five hundred campgrounds with virtual tours to give you an idea on scale on that. Um, in the last three months, we've released 500 of those. In the first 22 months of our, our, our existence with that product, we released 1,000. So we did 500 in three months compared to 1,000 over 22 months before. So do we all those campgrounds have their actual inventory up there with you so that the, they can see it and book it? Yeah, exactly. So we tie into whatever the reservation engine is. So a lot of those parks are public agency parks. So recreation.gov. Um, we've got all the state parks in Oregon, Washington, California, New Mexico, Arizona, Utah, Texas, Louisiana, Tennessee, 
um, Indiana. We got somebody capturing Florida. And so we tie into whatever the reservation system is. So if it's Reserve America, we route you into Reserve America to create that booking. It's recreation.gov. We route you there. If it's KOA with the K2, we route you into the K2 system to book your 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 stay through them. So we're not a marketplace. We're not trying to take a, a cut off of that <laughs> revenue. We're actually a marketing tool where we're trying to help the campers make a decision on where they're going to stay. So is that inventory that they're seeing as they're driving through campground views uh, digitally, is that uh, real time? Do you have a really good success rate as far as people being able to book the site they see? It depends. So recreation.gov, we're able to get an API that gives us that inventory. So we're able to show real time if the site's available or not, red or green. Um, a lot of the other systems, especially on the private side, either don't have an API they don't have that information, or if the park does site types and not individual site bookings, it, we can't really show that a site's available because we don't know, right? And that's, it's actually this, it's an age old problem for um, the yeah. industry is that we have both public and private sites, right? So public parks, by and large, allow people to book individual sites. It creates a whole it, a whole level of, of issues with it. As you'll, you all know, you, you see it, like you know, people book up these sites in advance and never show up. Whereas private parks tend to book by site type so that they can move people around and basically grid optimize. And so on our end, we try to pull as much data as we can. Um, so the public parks, yeah, we have mostly the real-time availability. Private parks, we don't just because it's not something they, they even provide. It's just site types. An another uh, age-old problem that you mentioned earlier was the, is the photos. I mean, yeah. you're a marketer. These parks don't take photos. Uh, you know, the parks are getting better, but they don't do photos. Is that something you're seeing improve on campgroundviews.com? More photos, like parks going in and updating their profiles? Well, yeah, parks can claim their profiles for free at Campground Views, and we get a lot coming in. Basically, it's kind of a chicken and egg thing for us. So, you yeah. know, hey, we had this great website, but eh, we didn't have a lot of traffic. All of a sudden, boom, our traffic's gone through the roof because we have these virtual tours. And as a result of that traffic going through the roof, the campground owners are finding out about it and then, you know, coming in and claiming their listings. And so that's kind of happening on its own, but it's difficult. I mean, park owners got a lot on their plates yeah. and there's a lot of, there's a lot of search tools like campground views. I mean, there's, there's Campendium, there's RV Parky, there's all stays there, you know, there's all of yeah. these directories out there. And so it's kind of whack-a-mole for them on which ones do they spend their time and energy on. And so, you know, I, I'm, I'm sympathetic to that. It, it can be an issue. Um, our big thing with these virtual tours is we know, like our data shows hands down, that campers, when they have this tool, will book at a park, stay longer, and they don't need to call the park to book it because they can see it. And so the end result is, is that our focus is to get as many of these virtual tours out there as quickly as possible because not only will it help the parks, but more importantly, it'll help the campers. And as a result of helping the campers, it'll actually help our industry. If we can make it easier for people to feel comfortable to go camping, they're going to do it more often and they're going to go and more people will go and do that too. So when they're on the tour, Mark, what do they find out ab about the campground and about the site? Did, can they see that it's a, a pull through and it's got 80 feet and they might not have to re un unhook their rig? Is all that detail in there? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, in fact, Ben, if you want to pull it up, we can actually go yeah. into one of the tours if you want. Um, just navigate to campground views and then up in the top right, click on the campground virtual tour link. And that'll take you to a search page that has all of them. Um, yeah. On the right-hand side, there'll be a few that have like a green banner that say featured. 
if you click on that, it'll um, open up a. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna, we're gonna prove a city of yeah. proof right now. Yeah, we're gonna see. <laughs> uh, so we gotta go. Yep, featured. Yep. Uh, which one do I pick? Uh, let's do Cassini Ranch. Why not? All right. The the top photo looked pretty interesting. Let's go down here. One second. I gotta share my screen. Uh, this is a test. Yeah, this is a test. There we go. So you click on it. Okay, so there's a virtual tour. Go ahead and click that question mark at the bottom right to hide that help menu. Question mark. Oh, there we go. There I you go. So now um, Ben has already hit play and we're cruising through this campground and using his mouse, he can actually click and point where he wants to look. Oh, yes. So he can actually change his point of view and look around that space. And as you can see, we're in a moving video. So we can just sit back, fold our hands and and just watch it as a video. That's what's distinctly different about our experience. So we tested out some of the other standard virtual tour softwares that require the user to click, but you know, jump between photos. And we found that on average, the user will jump five photos and then leave because you're not gonna go through the whole campground. You're just not gonna take the time. Whereas with a video like this, we're finding that 83% of the viewers will watch the entire video all the way through. And this one's how many minutes long? 16 minutes long or 36 minutes long. I can't see on, on the oh, share yeah. screen here. Yeah, it's 30. Um, so that's an information marker. Um, if you use the progress bar there, Ben, like the play bar and just jump somewhere, we'll jump somewhere in the campground. Um, and you can use your mouse to kind of point our view. And now we're driving through that campground. So, um, Mike, to your question, this is the experience that the user has is they're actually able yeah. to go around that park, navigate, see the road, see the sites. And they're seeing the sites from the point of view of the roadway. So it's not, you don't have the ability necessary to jump into that site and look around it, but you can see whatever you can see from the roadway of where that camera is located. And, and you have a map here. So like if you expand the map, you can actually like go and find a particular site, I guess. So we'll click on yeah. this and one. And this, this is actually an embarrassing example because our developer is right now playing with that play button. And if you can see it's, it's in the way when we're paused, we're actually fixing that right now. So you know, little quirks. This is this is brand new technology. It didn't exist in the market at all, and so we had to create it from scratch. Um, so, you know, anything developing like this is hard. For example, one of the fixes we have now, Ben, is when you click that, it's not live yet, but when you click that, you'll actually stop moving. So you'll be yeah. looking at that site. Um, if you click visit on this one real fast, see the visit button underneath there. Go ahead and pause, and then look at that one and click visit. This is an example of what we're talking about here. It should open up. I don't know if you're sharing just this screen or the other screen that that's going to oh, open. One second. Yep. No, probably not. Here we got it. Go. So again, Mark, you're not you're not taking a piece of the action on the reservation. You're oh. this is a, a subscription base for the for the uh, owner to buy into. Exactly. Yeah. So they basically they're paying a licensing fee, a hosting fee to, to embed this on their website. And when Ben clicked that link visit, this is an example. So this this park utilizes CampSpot and we drop the user into CampSpot into that site type to go. And then we even yeah. automatically fill in. You see the site location, site 100. So Cassini Ranch does the site yeah. lock fee. So if the user tries to book it, it'll present an, an information marker saying, hey, you're trying to reserve site 100. There's a site lock fee for this. Do you want to pay that, right? So um, we're basically just defaulting to whatever the reservation system provides that um, park owner. Yeah. Um, so really it's kind of a, it's a, it, we're, we're 
walking this fine line between providing the consumer with an amazing experience, but then working within the confines of what the way the park has to operate within the reservation system. And I think we're doing a good job of it. You know, obviously things could always be better. And the exciting thing is a lot of the reservation engines are really getting sophisticated. And so it's nice. Like we're right now working on integrations with RMS and new book and a res nexus and, um, uh, stay list, they all have APIs that we're able to pull in and integrate with. And so as we add their parks on, we're working on those API integrations. So are you, are you tracking how many, uh, how many sites are getting booked through campground views? No, we don't have tracking data, but we're adding it now. What we have and what, what we do have is anytime somebody clicks on that link and goes into the reservation engine, there's a referral source. So we can actually see that we refer traffic to them. And so then if the park has good Google analytics, we can easily show that referral them booked. And the data we've collected on that is we've measured as high as a 244% increase in online bookings, 40% drop in call volume and a doubling of the average length of stay. The type of numbers that the second you say them, every, every RV park owner's BS meter goes up because they sound so like, yeah, right. Right. So it, it, it is that good. And it's, it's actually, pretty impressive to add to this and I can keep talking all day. So feel free like, <laughs> to jump in. To add to this, what, what makes this technology unique is we have an entirely different side of our business, right? So a private RV park owner, or even a public agency can license these videos. But if you remember, I said, we spent our own money initially. We actually went out and filmed recreation.gov properties on our own dime. And then we have those behind a paywall. So a membership paywall at campground views. And consumers can pay a membership fee to access those virtual tours. Mm -hmm. We've had over 40,000 campers either pay with money or an email address to access those virtual tours. To my knowledge, there's no other marketing tool ever for our industry where campers are actively willing to pay to access that experience. And that's what they're doing right now. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, we're going to take a short break and we'll be right back with Mark. No, ma'am. This is a five-star establishment. We do not have tents. Another one. Another one. With bespoke modern design, state-of-the-art craftsmanship, and only the finest quality materials, Bushtech Safari manufactures tents that take luxury to the next level. A true combination of five-star luxury and a five-billion-star experience. Tents. Better. Best. Bushtech. Hi, welcome back to WCM's Park Update. Uh, sponsored by Bush Tech Safari, and we are here talking with Mark Kep from CampgroundViews.com. Um, we talked a little bit about the virtual tours. We talked a little bit about your uh, website where people can claim their listings, uh, the growth you've seen overall. I guess you also uh, operate a pretty popular Facebook group for park owners. Um, you know, how's uh, that been going? I guess it seems like you still have a ton of traffic on the Facebook group. What have you been hearing from park owners this year? I guess the biggest switch over and I, I don't know if it's just because I've been operating it so long is there's a lot of new owners and managers that have entered the industry here over the yeah. last year and a half. So there's a lot of new folks that are in the space and we're kind of having the same conversations we did a few years ago to get them up to speed with um, how to operate an RV park and campground and how to serve their customers and their guests and all those type of things. Facebook as a whole has changed. So Facebook, actually, Facebook, all social media, um, this is Facebook, Twitter, everybody like that they're actually down for engagement and you see yeah. a rises in like TikTok and these other short form video services. Um, so basically people's attention spans have become really, really short and they're kind of, they're kind of 
being drawn into these short forms versus engaging within groups. All that being yeah. said, the engagement is still off the charts on the Facebook group. Um, I think we're at how many, can you see it on here? How many thousand members, like three, 3,000, I think we're at like 3,700 or something like that. Yeah. It's oh, there on the left, 3,000, 3,000 oh, yeah, members 3, um, of the forum. You know, of that, not all of them engage. Our average engagement on a given week is roughly about 2,500 people will, will log in or, and engage within this group. And it's owners talking about all the issues that they face, you know, whether it's here's my new cabin or, you know, here's here's me digging in the, up the sewer on Labor Day weekend. Doesn't this look yep. fun, right? It's 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 the, the spectrum of what owners deal with. Our entire purpose yeah. with this Facebook group, which I think is is probably important for your viewers to know, and they're welcome to join. You can see the name there. It's a long name yeah. up on RV Park Campground Owners and Managers Operations and Marketing Forum. The entire purpose of this group is to help owners and operators run their parks better. If they run their parks better, the campers, here I go again, the campers have a better experience. If the campers have a better experience, they go camping more often and they tell others and our industry grows. So in, in the end, that's always been our, you know, because we come at from a camper's perspective, which is we bought an RV never having owned one before in our lives and hit the road is just an adventure as young kids, you know, young married couple, let's go travel for a year, year and a half. And we discovered this industry that is incredible for allowing you to experience places, time and enjoy the outdoors with your family. And we want more people to go experience what we experience. And so in the end, that's our entire focus with everything that we do. Um, we've just been at it long enough where people have now formed opinions about me for, you know, my biggest, my biggest um, handicap is I have an inability to shut my mouth when I've got an opinion and I'll speak up about my opinion. And some people disagree with that. And so, you know, I, I get myself in trouble at times and I still hear about it from others, but it is what it is. You're very active on the Facebook page. I'll, yeah, I'll give yeah. you that. Yeah. Yeah, that's, a, that's a very nice way to say it. <laughs> I, uh, I also like. Well, last year, you and I attended the Campground Owners Expo together. You did an awesome uh, session, kind of a unique session, um, where you went around the room and had park owners just kind of talk and about and vent a little bit about their campers, which was awesome. You also have a Facebook group where you kind of do that, the padded room of rants, which is, which is always interesting, um, just to see what neat things or interesting things campers try to get away with. So it's crazy. Yeah. Don't share that one. Cause that, that one's private. No, I don't want people, no. I don't want their ID shown on that, but there's a Facebook group. It's only open to members of that main group and it's called the yep. padded room of rants. And the idea is as owners, you deal with some in, in, insane, like insane stuff. Last year, there was this thing where people were doing these disgusting things in the restrooms and it was just crazy. And so yeah. it's just a safe place where as an owner, you can just go and scream like, <laughs> I can't believe this happened. And then what's crazy is that other owners are like, yeah, that just happened to me too. And you're just like, I mean, it actually, as a Facebook group, it, as a group, when you go in there, you actually lose your faith in humanity when you read the stuff that's going <laughs> on. Yeah. 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 Owners, it's, it's crazy. And I mean, I, running an RV parking campground, it's a consumer facing business. You're dealing with a whole bunch of different folks of different walks of life. It's a challenging business to operate in. And a large portion of our owners and operators our mom and pops who did not come from this industry, they came outside and thought this would just be a fun idea. And they get into it and they discover that this is actually a very complex hospitality business with a lot of nuance that if you don't have that background, if you don't have this vent, it can be very stressful and burn you out very quickly. And so, again, that's that goes to the point of if we can help the owners 
de-stress, operate their parks better. As a result, we'll have a better industry, we believe. Yeah. So, Mark, you and I got to know each other about five years ago in Salt Lake City during the uh, Campground of the Future experience with with that KOA had in the booth there at the, uh, I won't call it the ill-fated RBIA show, but it was a a short- Bad timing. I guess. Yeah. It was (laughs) was bad timing on on that part of uh, RBIA shows, but- it was a big event and we, you know, KOA really pulled out all the stops for that. That was where we had the virtual, uh, virtual reality goggles on everybody. And, and we were walking around. That was probably about five years ago already. And, uh, it's interesting to look back and, and remember some of the things that we talked about even back then about where camping would be heading. If you took all the handcuffs off and you could do anything, what would you do? And there's been a few of the things that that KOA thought up that have you know the sky cabins, the uh, the sky decks above RV sites. Uh, it, there's there's been a few things that have come about. Uh, and so, what do you see? You know, how far are we going to go in the next five or ten years with camping? You know, back then you were just kind of getting your feet wet on the campground views and really getting into the technology side of it, and 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 it was. Uh, it was cutting edge then and you're cutting edge now. What's cutting edge look like in 10 years? The biggest trend, I think, over the next 10 years is um, AI and AI integration into the consumer experience and how that looks. Um, overall, like, I don't know how deep you guys go, but mm-hmm. there's, there's a book called The Fourth Turning that kind of talks about the, the epic that we're in right now where you've got these 80-year cycles that things go through. And if you look at it through that lens, it's clear that we're going through a significant amount of change right now, not just as an industry, but as, as a planet overall, like there is just a lot of strife going on. So um, the mistake I made is um, at the Carolina ARVC event, I was a keynote speaker back in 20, 2019, 2020, I think it was 20, 2020. And I gave a speech about what I expected everything to happen. And then a month later, COVID hit and everything went out the window. So I've stopped doing that because who knows what happens if I make a prediction. But what I can say overall is our industry is um, healthy. Like people want to travel. It's the least expensive form of travel. I believe that our biggest risk right now is this push to electrify everything and electrify vehicles. Um, I believe that if it goes, if nothing changes with the battery technologies and the technologies that are out there, it will be impractical for people to have RVs if they're forced to have electric RVs, if, if, if nothing changes. So the hard prediction there is that you hope something changes and the ranges improve and the charge times and all that type of stuff improves. But as it exists right now, that doesn't happen. The other thing is just on a geopolitical output outlook, and I, I, I want to try to avoid politics a little bit, but you have to be real. With what's going on right now, you cannot have a, uh, an industry like ours operating in a socialistic or communistic system. It requires a free market system to operate. That's If I look at 10 years out, that's a risk. On the flip side, I also look at the, the amount of people that camp. They want to adventure. They want to go out and visit nature, and so they do that. And so I guess it's hard to say what's going to happen in 10 years. On the technology side, I believe AI will have the biggest impact on our industry overall because we're a customer-focused business. A lot of the staff members are customer-based. If you're able to offshoot that into AI, you change the way businesses operate in the space. You've already got fully automated RV parts out there. Imagine a scenario where you don't have front desk staff. You have an automated system or a chatbot that's able to engage with those folks. You, you utilize tools like ours and you don't even need to talk to anybody. They can actually virtually tour your park, interact with a chatbot and book the site that they're looking at. You know, you've got those type of things that will, 
I don't know. Like it, it's hard. Like it, yeah. it, you get dangerous. Like you, it depends on your mood. How how negative and dark are you, or how positive are you at any moment in time on what's going on? The biggest thing I see right now is that there's a lot of risk right now. Um, the U.S. federal government, their debt was just downgraded yesterday by Fitch. That implies long-term borrowing costs are going to go up. So when you do that, your your ability to create new things starts to drop because you don't have that free money flow to, to kind of risk it. And so you start seeing large companies pull back on their development, which requires smaller companies to jump in with new technologies. So what it's going to be is this is going to be kind of a generation where um, the free thinkers and the folks that are able to risk it will actually see significant movement. I believe that right now and this year is the year. It's the reason why we're working so hard. I believe that the yeah. stuff that happens this year will forever impact our industry. It's why we've launched 1500 virtual tours is why we're moving so fast. So what about the lack of inventory threat that we, that we face? We've got this huge demand out there and it seems like there's never enough out there. And campground views is so great about surgically going in and finding what's available for people, but isn't part of the threat for the future. The fact that there just isn't going to be enough sites out there for the demand. Yeah, it, so I think that goes into a deeper thing. I just, I, I don't know if you guys have covered this. So I just found out that Rocky Mountain National Park does not take cash at their entry fee anymore. It requires credit cards and debit cards yeah. only. When I saw mm -hmm. that, my jaw hit the ground. And it goes back to when they started charging an entry or making you register to enter the park and all that type of stuff. Mm -hmm. So you've got all these popular places that are overloved. There's two problems there. Number one, the reason they're overloved is because people know about them. They're marketed to go there. They've been they've been kind of pre pre set up to go visit these popular places. There's a whole bunch of places that are less known, but as amazing if you share it right. Omaha, Nebraska, right? It doesn't sound appealing until you get there and you realize there's some amazing spots around that area, right? So part of the problem goes back to that information um, I talked about. Providing better information about areas and places to stay will kind of help bridge that gap. From there, then I think the market dictates it. If, if you can actually demand $125 a site, it becomes financially feasible for people with money to build more sites and build more parks. And that'll kind of help offset that demand. What we've seen this year, though, and I was just talking, I'll, I'll keep them off the record. I was just talking to an influencer who was out on the road and he was like, honestly, Mark, we were just at some of the most popular places. And even over Fourth of July, they had empty sites in the park. So, you know, it, it's, it's good to say, hey, everything's wonderful, but let's be real. Like people's finances are being impacted. We're not COVID time anymore. So we'll see where that that pans out. I, I always believe and I know because we live it. You can always find a campsite somewhere. It's just a matter of finding the right campsite for you. What, um, so when you, you know, you mentioned the influencer that saw the empty sites, you know, how much do you think the, you know, state national systems, assuming it's state national parks, uh, you know, play into that? I know there are a lot of states that are cracking down on way over booking sites and then not using them all. Is that kind of that discussion too about finding these empty sites, maybe at popular parks? Yeah, you just set me up for one of those moments where I'm about to just say something out loud that somebody's going to come back to me and get pissed off with. So um, on the public agency side, I'm going to say it out loud because it's the truth. Public agencies in general do not care about the customers and do yeah. not want them in their parks. That's that's their mantra. Prove me wrong. It's, it's their mantra. They don't like those customers there because they're not customers, they're guests, and they're not getting paid any more money to deal with that person versus nobody being there. Yeah. So as a result, the public agency side is very difficult. I'll give you a specific example, and I, and I want to call this out very specifically. 
Oregon State Parks, they've got a current RFP for a new reservation system out there right now. And they brought in an outside entity to kind of launch this RFP process. And they actually approached us to say, hey, you guys want to bid on it? And so we looked at it a little bit. And because we have this amazing virtual tour technology that could integrate, right? And they said, okay, this is going to be different. This is going to be different. Their RFP process is over one year long with multiple testing stages. The only entities that could possibly bid on that project are entities that have enough money to go after an RFP for over a year and be able to then deliver the services that they want on it. Every small player immediately backed out. There's no way you can go after that. And so as a result, they are going to get the same thing again because there's only a few players that have the financial wherewithal to go after that contract. So as a result, you only get what you get if you don't think outside the box. And so there's a lot of, you look on the private side, these players that are out there in the reservation systems, no offense to the big agencies that are out there, foot and mouth again. So I'll, I'll regret this, Mike. We'll remember this. Somebody's going to come back and say, you said that I saw you on Whittles. Um, the, some of these smaller players actually have better systems, but they don't have the wherewithal or the ability to make it into those public agencies and improve that. So as a result, the public agencies are both a good and a bad thing for our industry. The good thing is, is that they have amazing campgrounds, amazing yeah. destinations, and they get people outdoors. The bad thing is, is that they don't really give a crap about customer service as a whole, and it affects our industry as a whole, too. Yeah, I, I mean, that's it, interesting. What, you know, we got to wrap up here pretty quickly, but um, I just had a quick question on housing. I know when we look to the future of campgrounds and RV parks, I know Diana Kelly out there in California is really struggling with the housing crisis and how that impacts parks. Do you see that impacting more parks in the future in other states? So one of the advantages of owning an RV park is you have the ability to quickly change from short-term guests to long-term guests, depending upon economic situations. So if things continue to get worse, a park that's, you know, say their transient business is down 60%, an easy switch is offer monthly stays or long-term stays. And so it'll be market dependent, depending upon the environment, whether that happens. That's where the public agency parks come in and fill that void because public parks will generally never be long-term locations. And so as a result, people will still have places to go. And then it just becomes a business decision for the campground, whether they want to be a long-term park or a short-term park. I kind of feel that that's a decision that's left up to the park owner. Yeah. The risk they run is depending upon their local laws, you know, what laws they fall under and all that type of stuff. And that's, that's a decision they need to make on their own. Yeah. Um, I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing from a park owner's perspective. It gets you through those hard times and so forth. I would just encourage them, keep some sites open and make sure you continue to provide a good service to the overnight guests that still want to travel through that area. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you mentioned AI. I think pretty soon we're going to be able to do this show with an AI like bot. I'll just have. I know, thought I was. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be safer for me. It probably won't put its foot in the mouth so many times. Thank you. Just a quick question on AI. Um, you know, when you talk about AI and I know there's a couple of chat bots out there. I just remember, you know, four or five years ago when I would go to conventions and people were reservation companies were struggling to get campground owners to come on board. Cause they were like, oh, I don't know if I want a reservation system. You know, are, you know, park owners going to be jumping to do these chat bots and to take this AI leap? I mean, it seems like they're a little bit slower at adapting to some of this technology. Well, they're not even taking the jump right now for the virtual tours. We may yeah. be at 1500, but that, it, this is not an easy road. I mean, people don't, park owners are reluctant to that change. And they're also reluctant to giving up that control. So those two things yeah. tend to hold them back. The chat, the chat bots have a long ways to come. Um, you know, we're partnered with Brian um, with his, his campy to kind of 
spread that out to the parks that we're working with, which is tactical on his part. He knows we're working with parks that have already said yes to technology, which opens the door to his technology to get into those parks. And so we're, we're helping him roll it out that way, just because I believe in where he's going with that technology. I, 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 I believe that it helps the consumer experience enough to improve our industry mm-hmm. if applied correctly. And I believe Brian's on that right path with that. So the answer is, yeah, it's going to be a hard road for whoever's doing that. But if they're strategic about it and they roll it out appropriately, the next the next thing, and this, is, this isn't just our industry. This is an AI problem overall. AI is garbage in, garbage out. And that's the thing that I, I don't, I think most people have kind of discovered that now that, you know, like chat AI is fun, but it's really inaccurate. And especially if you give the wrong prompts, you get a bunch of junk out of it. So that's the underlying problem with AI that on a consumer perspective, the one thing I'll leave you with on that is that, you know, you know that big companies and government have AI that makes chat AI look like nothing, right? So there's more sophisticated systems out there. It just it's, it's a question of whether we get access to them in the next five years, 10 years, 20 years, forever. Yeah. But when you get down to what the what the value of the real experience is you know ai is great on the marketing side it, it'll help tell the story but when people talk about did they enjoy their stay or not it's based on the people that they interacted with it's based on yep. the people that are working in the campground it, it, yep. the people that are taking care of that site uh more so than than how they got marketed into it well i think you guys have interviewed marcia from uh riverwalk out there right you know there's a yeah. perfect example of somebody doing it right so she's she goes around and visits those people and so they get a very personal interaction with them and being able to reproduce that is ideal imagine a scenario where somebody pulls in an rv park they've already got their sites they're able to pull straight up their site pull up and then you roll up not with welcome packet but with welcome right and and actual gifts and and actually make them feel you know as part of a guest and, and a really good experience and so i think there's a good example if you ever want to see somebody who's doing it right she's absolutely doing it right with her bark yeah and well you know maybe we'll have like the will smith movie i robot here soon where we can have the robots <laughs> go out and and uh tell people they have to quiet down at night for the park owners. So, well, I mean, the biggest risk, honestly, Ben, is AI for like news sources. I mean, whether you, I don't know if people recognize this right now, but pretty much all the major outlets are now utilizing AI. And yeah. I've got a real world example of a couple of weeks ago, there was an article on USA Today and it predicted that in two weeks, so this would have been about a week ago, there was supposed to be these amazing Northern Lights over North America. And you could tell by reading the article that it was completely AI generated because yeah. it was full of, it was completely bogus. But the AP <laughs> picked it up and then it went wide. Everybody got it. And it didn't happen. It was completely inaccurate, but it was a perfect example of crap in, crap out. And so that AI article got spread everywhere. So I'm sure the, the news sources, they saw the clicks, you know, on the ads, so they're gonna be like, well, let's run more of those, but it's just bogus content. So yeah. who knows where this goes? Yeah. Who knows? So it should be interesting. So, um, all right. Well, it's great talking with you, Mark. I'm sure I'll see you at the glamping show Americas this year. No, I won't be there. My We got a baby due October 17th, so it, it's right in the middle of all the shows. The first show I'll be at will be the Campground Owners Expo and Branson. Wow. Okay. All right. Well, uh, hopefully your uh, wife has a good rest of her pregnancy then and a good delivery. Thank you. So congratulations on the third kid. Absolutely. So, yeah. Yeah, I appreciate it. Well, thank you again, Mark, for joining us, and uh, thanks, everyone, for watching, and we will be back, we will be back again next week. Thank you.